0: Welcome to Capability Amplifier, the show for business owners and entrepreneurs who want high-performance upgrades for their brains, bodies, and bank accounts. Welcome to another episode of Capability Amplifier. This is Mike Koenigs
1: and Dan Sullivan.
0: And this episode is about collaboration, best practices, rolling and selling in the post-COVID world. We're going to share some of our best practices from doing the whole Zoom thing. Dan has had the great opportunity in completely changing the way strategic coaches delivered and has been doing over a hundred big group presentations and meetings and delivering content. I've been using the platform now for years to enroll clients and customers. In fact, so much so that my rule is I don't do anything over the phone. I haven't in years and we're going to share how you can use it too, but also how you can think bigger about enrolling and selling in the post-COVID world internationally. So Dan, let's have at it.
1: Well, first of all, I've been used to it because I've been using Zoom for five years with podcasts, but we had never done two things with it. We had never had big sort of replacement meetings with our strategic coach entrepreneurs. We had not done that before, like where we might have a big room, you know, where, We'd have a meeting with them, and that was not possible. So we said, let's just have Zoom meetings. But we said, but let's give them something of value. So let's introduce thinking processes like we do in our in person workshops. And we developed a really neat two hour, start the first hour off with three quick questions. You know, they write it out for about two or three minutes, and then they go into a really neat feature on Zoom, which is the breakout rooms. And the breakout rooms are terrific and uh, gets everybody in a conversational mode. They're a surprise, so it's done randomly, so people don't know who they're going to end up in the rooms. I guess there's ways of pre-designing it, but the haphazard random way actually really has its good points to it. You know, people are kind of surprised. I go into every room and I'm always surprised who I end up with. And they're probably surprised that they end up with me. So I've done 22, but our entire organization has done another 78, the other coaches. And it's been a knockout success and such a knockout success that we've been, I think for two or three weeks, we were just kind of staggered by how good it was, but then the other thing, just the implications for the future.
0: As a consumer experiencing it, what has been great through my lens is I've been collaborating and connecting with people that I normally wouldn't sit next to in the physical room. And there's been a lot of opportunity for networking amongst all of us because we get broken down into different groups. The other thing too is, I mean, I love traveling to strategic coach meetings. I really do. I like the physical experience, but the convenience and the efficiency are really, really good. Like I will just say, this won't make me popular amongst some people. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota. I really don't like Chicago. Never have liked the place. I love Toronto on the other hand, and I'm planning on coming back as soon as things open up when we physicalize again. I'm going to come back and do the Toronto experiences, but I've loved the rest and the connection with different people. So I've built relationships now with folks that, like I said, I yeah. just hadn't met and talked to before.
1: Well, the other thing is that it coincided with the introduction of the simplifier multiplier concept, which is a collaborative concept. The basic thesis for those who haven't heard it before is that we've discovered, you know, I've been coaching entrepreneurs for 46 years That there's one activity that you love over another activity. So let's just take option one that you're someone who likes taking complexity and simplifying it. And that's been the key to your entrepreneurial success. You come up with simpler, neater solutions to problems that then is out in the marketplace. And that's why you've been able to make a good living. That's option one. The other option is. You've made your living out of finding new, neat simplifiers, and you expand them through all your multiplier networks out there. What I've discovered is that all the really, really enjoyable part of your life, if you're a simplifier, lies in simplifying. The tough part of your life is taking what you simplify and multiplying it out in the world.
0: I think multipliers oftentimes hang out with multipliers just because that's... The nature is we're more outgoing and we're idea people. We're bouncing ideas. But the problem with that is you don't walk away and complete something where if you get a simplifier together, and I've had quite a few simplifiers reaching out to me saying, hey, do you think there's a free zone opportunity for us? Yeah. And I'll say, well, let's talk and listen. And oftentimes they just get ideas from me and go back, yeah. which is fine as well. Yeah, I'm curious about one thing. I think I know the answer to this, but – have you found so far, what's the percentage breakdown, at least in coach, of simplifier multipliers? Or what do you think the population at large is?
1: 55% simplifier and 45% multiplier. And FreeZone is pretty well along the same percentages.
0: Because there's a tool. Have you ever heard of something called human design before? Familiar with it?
1: Not as a tool.
0: It's sort of a personality profile kind of a tool. And I got an app for it recently. I got introduced to it through a friend. And again, just to put this in perspective, in Strategic Coach, Coach is a big fan of the Colby test. I'm a 3294
1: and you are a? 22104. Okay. A lot of people say, well, if you're 22104, you're a multiplier. And I said, no, your Colby is how you go about what you are. I'm a... Two two 4 simplifier. And you're, what's your numbers again, Mike? I'm 3294. I put it up on the 13. screen. You're a 329 multiplier. My partner in life and in the business, Bab Smith, has a Colby almost just like yours. That profile really tells you you're probably ADD, which I am, and which you are. Which yeah. yeah. <laughs> <it is. laughs>
0: right. Yeah. And interestingly,
1: I'm sorry. Who are you? Yeah. But it's how you go about the thing that you love doing, actually, your Colby profile or any of the other profiles. And actually, I've come to the opinion that the Simplifier Multiplier is prior to any of the other testing and profiles. Yeah. Simply tells you how you will go about the thing you love.
0: Right. It's super interesting because I can actually alternate Between the two, I can become a simplifier if necessary. It's not what I love to do though. I would much rather think about the possibilities of potential and if you look at my history, my first business was an agency, you know, and I did games, I did entertainment, I did a movie, features, you know, everything was about sharing messages or amplifying people.
1: I'll make a suggestion. I bet you have nightmares about simplification and you have daydreams about multiplying.
0: That's very interesting. One of the things I do now, I really practice, I don't pay attention to things that don't please me and I don't consume things that don't either. So I just, I wouldn't even call it avoidance. Now I invest my energy in certain ways, including dreams. I call it prudent avoidance. Good. So here, I want to finish this thought for a second on the topic of human design. So I don't know how valid it is, although it seems to be interesting. It's kind of like a cross between the I Ching the Kabbalah, the Mm -hmm. Jewish mystic tool, the chakra system. And I won't call it astrology, but you get a chart that looks, for people who can't Mm -hmm. see it at home, you look up human design online, you'd see this. And there's a whole bunch of roots, energy roots and that kind of thing. One of the things that popped up in there is they talked about whether or not you're a manifester or a generator. Generators are the people who create or make things or get stuff done Manifestors are usually more the imaginators, right? In a way, I think there's a bit of a correlation between simplifier and multiplier, mm-hmm. but it turns out I'm actually a manifesting generator, pretty unusual combination. Again, the easiest way to get into this is just either download an app, do it oh, online, have got an intro. It's yeah. pretty interesting. So the input data for this, this is the questionable part, and I'm going to just tell you what you are really fast. So you're May... What's the date again? 19. 19 44. 1944. Do you know what time of nine the day? O'clock PM, 9 o'clock p.m. 9 o'clock. Okay.
1: Cleveland, nine, Ohio.
0: So that'd be 20. 9 o'clock would be 21 o'clock, right? Yeah. Okay. Just a second. 21. Okay. All right. And then where were you born? Cleveland. Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Here we go. And the other thing that they do that's really interesting with this is they tell you about the phases in your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you're a generator. Here's the reading I got just on this, and I'd have to do some more stuff. So you're a generator with sacral authority. Only generators and manifesting generators. Sacral that comes from the sacral center. It responds from the uh-huh, yes, n nah, no, and hmm, no energy. I don't know. It is purely energetic response. When operating correctly, people with sacral authority do things effortlessly. When operating incorrectly, they have to push hard to get things done. Yep. Single definition. People with single definition don't need other people to bridge any splits. They operate independently or are less prone to codependent behavior. They usually process their experiences faster than the splits or the no definition people. Here's something called an heretical investigator, which says, consciously looking for practical knowledge, great interpersonal skills, subconsciously investigating and building a solid foundation. Fifth line people have excellent interpersonal skills. They are the ruling line. However, others don't see them as such. Anyway, it gets in. Your investigators, thorough asking questions and constantly inquiring. They are building a foundation to step on. They ask a lot of questions and go into details of the problems. Those first lines that work with people typically study a lot beforehand by taking classes and participating in seminars and workshops. This makes them feel comfortable as their investigation would not be complete without lots of details. That sounds very similar to you. I mean, and then what they do with this, and this is where things get really interesting. You can build on top of that, what they call transits. Again, there was one other thing here and I'll finish this off.
1: One little refinement that I would do on there is, my main field of study is actually other people's experiences. Ah. I mean, I read for a lot of other reasons, but my passion is the kinds of experiences that people have had and what they thought about the experiences and how they handled the experiences. And that's insatiable on my part, which, you know, is really great for what I do for a living, you know, entrepreneurs. You know, I just ask them, like I have this new exercise for June, July, and it's called hard money, smart money. Okay. And you identify three money making experiences from your life, where it was necessary for you to do that, but it was really, really hard. And then you say, why was it hard? And you write down why it was hard. And then you identify three smart money. And that's where it came easy and it seemed almost like magical. And what are those? And why was it? And what forms is some rules. And one of the rules for heart is never again, never again. You just never, ever get yourself in a situation where you do that.
0: Yeah, I like yeah, that.
1: We had a wonderful podcast. Earlier, you know, earlier in the series, Mike, where I just asked you about your six business lifetimes, and you were always moving away from hard towards smart. And I think entrepreneurs who are successful are always moving from hard to smart. And then you say, well, knowing this about your past, what are your next three smartest moves? You know, and you do that at the bottom. I don't have to know anything about the individual. I just ask all the questions and they fill in the boxes with their experiences. And that's my passion is that I just create structures where people can think about their thinking. They can think about their experiences.
0: Well, I'm going to give you something from this human design chart, which you may or may not be able to see on screen, but the objects represent parts of your energy centers. Yours is completely filled in your throat center. Yep. In other words, everything's connected and that governs communication. So the energy must go through it to become reality. The center expresses the center of the centers, which it is connected to. So people who are defined throat can share who they are via the center, depending on the connected center, the energy can be expressed mentally, emotionally, spontaneously, et cetera. One thing I know about you is that is true through asking questions. What you find when you look through this thing I haven't gone deep into it, but there's a lot of work and
1: yeah, well,
0: a lot of woo-woo behind it. It seems
1: well, fascinating. I that right. all these are useful, like Kobe's useful, if you don't think it's the only thing. Even I've seen some really, really good horoscopes where I said, you know, I see a lot of you in there, but you don't think it's the only thing. You know? Right. And you do 10 of them, and they're all valuable, and somehow, you know, they're a thing. The one thing I do believe about life is there's no one answer. Yep, I totally agree. There's answers that are better than other answers, but there's not one that's the answer to everything. Yep.
0: So two thoughts on this. The first one, just to close the lid on human design, what I have found, and I've been doing these now with all the clients I work with, I have them do a Colby an Enneagram, and now I'm starting to run human design on them because knowing how they communicate what they talk about dramatically helps in being able to amplify their capabilities and discover their superpowers and you know, make great stuff happen. Now, one thing I'd had an aha when you're just talking about the never do and always do and where you've had your biggest breakthroughs, I hadn't thought quite through the lens. For some reason, I just had a moment, and I'll tell you what mine actually is my greatest moments that produced the greatest happiness, joy, satisfaction, and greatest volumes of cash had to do when I get to sell my ideas, whether implemented or not. And truly, where I'm good, and my history has always been this way, like I was never the best programmer in the world, but what I had the ability to do was create something and prototype it far enough along that someone would be like, oh, that's exactly what I want. Where I got hung up is when the evolution of that turned into a business that required management of people and bureaucracy. Yep. Any kind of moving parts. That's when I just suck and I hate it. It'll be like, I will literally start it on fire and walk away. Don't care. And that also is the shame because something is almost there and saleable And I'd walk away because the pain of the bureaucracy and human management got to be too much. It was just like, nope, screw it. Yeah,
1: well, it's very interesting. And, you know, this has to do with collaboration. I kind of have two universal rules that I follow. And that is, I never want to own what you own. And the other thing is, I don't want any of your money. But to... Take advantage of your capabilities. I would love to take advantage of your capabilities together to create something bigger. So, you know, that's the deal that I have with Ben Hardy and Tucker Max for the 10 books in 10 years. I said, all the money that comes from the books, that's your money. Okay. I just want to take all the money that comes from the impact of the books. Yes.
0: The way I've described that thought process is for some people, 1 plus 1 equals 2. To me, 1 plus 1 equals 11. Yeah. I'm looking for 11s yeah. and 111s. And that's
1: collaboration because you can't do that competing.
0: Nope. And having that clear delineation and understanding an agreement does require really understanding value and the value of the collaboration, because it's so easy for some people to get scarcity minded and greedy and not provide a faith buffer in between or a trust buffer. That's some wiring that not everyone's either born with or has ever crafted or curated. In other words, they just haven't created that thing.
1: Do you feel, you know, from your perspective that the kind of collaboration that we're encouraging in free zone and, you know, people are really, doing it and being surprised by it. Do you think it's because of the time we're living in? Wow, that's a
0: great question. Let me deconstruct it just a little bit. I'm going to give you a couple examples. We could look at ours as one, and then yeah. I'm going to give you another one, which actually you introduced. So yeah. to-
1: Can I ask you a question? The, the one yes. that we're doing, that will be complete pretty quick. How many meetings did you and I have on that one? I was just trying to go back. How many meetings have we had?
0: we haven't really had one meeting. What we've done is we've had conversations that became content in the form of a podcast. So it's even better. Yeah. Like we haven't had one meeting. That's no, the God honest one, truth.
1: And it's almost ready to yeah. start producing results. And we haven't had one meeting.
0: God that no, that's amazing. So just for anyone who like, if someone just showed up and this was their first episode of the podcast, I'm going to give you the 32nd version of what this is. So Dan and I were talking one day. I told Dan, I'd been doing some interesting stuff with messaging and some software for lead generation and storytelling. And Dan described something he calls the Civitas moment. In other words, the moment where someone says, you are exactly what I want. I've been looking for someone just like you. How do we start working together? That's the equivalent of I love you in business language. Through just this episode, Dan said, that's what I want. He said, I want you to combine technology with storytelling inside strategic coach so we can enroll more people. And the net result is imagine having a toolbox for salespeople that could be universally used that increase the enrollments, speed up the enrollments and get people to raise their hands sooner. And that would be replicable as well. There's more to it than that, but that's my bottom line summary. And Dan wanted 100 leads per week coming in across the sales team. Okay. So what I've been doing in the background is using a combination of artificial intelligence technology, and we'll just call it sales coaching and enrollment coaching with the team, but also talking to each of the salespeople about their unique abilities and how they employ the DOS question, the R factor question and how they overcome objections both in You know, everyone always says it's time, it's money, it's relationships. Something's getting in the way of saying yes now. And this came from, you know, probably decades of my experience doing enrollments and studying the fastest way to enroll with tech, brand new developments, which are really interesting. All the artificial intelligence machine learning that's available for lead creation is really coming to a head now. And then the fact that Coach has been around as long as it has been with the history and the client's. We've opened up some other ways of thinking that I hadn't anticipated, especially it turns out, Dan, we haven't even talked about this, but with referrals, there's some really interesting ways. We're going to be able to create very big enrollments via referrals that haven't been used in the organization. I'm yep. super excited about.
1: Yep. So here's my thinking on it. Oh, and by the way, did you mention this to your lawyer And because I don't even know the lawyer to mention it to. So no meetings and no lawyers. So the thing was, Mike's doing all the work on this. So we just wrote the check to handle the product development, you know, the capability development. But Mike owns it 100% when it's finished. It's totally his. And I would like to introduce him to all of our other clients. And they'll pay Mike to do the same thing for their business as we did. But I figured in the first month that it's operational, it'll pay for itself.
0: I agree. And we haven't even talked about the virtualization opportunities, not to mention the fact that this is a repeating system that is solving a wound that every organization has, which is, is the message that is told by a salesperson or by the the storytelling devices, whether it's through podcasts or website or whatever, are they consistent and are they repeatable?
1: And does it bear any resemblance to the truth?
0: Which truth is that, Dan, you're talking about? Which truth do you speak of? I want to know that. Oh, oh, please reveal, yes,
1: precisely. In other words, it actually corresponds to what 20-year veterans would tell you, you know.
0: And that is the magic. So this is the distinction I will give you that I've really learned and thought about over the past two years especially, but then this, I didn't realize I was thinking about it. In other words, it hadn't gelled into a solid form. But the secret to this exercise is really crafting a mini-movie that the prospect sees themselves participating in and going through a hero's journey as the hero and recognizing that themselves. In other words, they sell themselves on it. And going back to one of your big ideas, which is always be the buyer, they self-enroll. And better than that, the story that's crafted, that they observe and feel like they're a participant in is something they can show to another decision-making factor. In other words, if you are a quick start, you're gonna be like, yeah, I want that. And you're probably married to a fact finder. So now you gotta take your story to the fact finder in a way that resonates with them. Yep, yep. And that is a challenge, but it is probably one of the most fascinating mental gymnastics exercises I've ever gone through in my professional
1: career. Well, I would say from, you know, selling the program for thirty years, it's sixty percent of the yes on any entrepreneurial sign up and strategic coach. The spouse has sixty percent no power over any decision.
0: Yes. Do you want to hear a little story about something I did not long ago to help with this? So this is where some of the design of what we're doing is coming
1: from. Especially if the spouse is a woman. Yes, exactly.
0: I have a slightly crass way of describing that, but I'm not going to do it off camera. All right, here's what it is. I did this with someone that you introduced me with, in fact, and it was Curtis Estes. So he brought someone forward to me who was a potential candidate that I could work with. And what I did is sat down and met with this individual. And when it was done, we came up with the movie he could see himself being the hero in. He's like, yes, this is exactly what I want. And I said, what would prevent you from saying yes right now? You know, is there anything standing in the way? And the answer was, well, yes, it's my wife. And I said, well, describe your wife to me. And she goes, well, she's not like me. First of all, she's very cynical. She doesn't believe anything's true. She wants to know all the facts. She wants to know the bottom line, how much, how long, and what are the results going to be right up front? She doesn't care about any details until that's answered first. I said, great. So I wrote this down. So I said, it sounds like she's a high fact finder and you're probably a big quick start. You can see the potential. Your gut tells you yes, and you want the results. You can imagine that all the stuff in between will take care of itself. And he's, that's exactly right. So I said, what else does she value? What's important to her? And we wrote down those values step-by-step. Step. So then while he was on the call and we were doing a Zoom I said, right now, I'm going to make a quick video for you. In Zoom, you have a button where you can start recording directly to YouTube, but you can do an unlisted video. So you don't have to wait for rendering or for Zoom to deliver it or anything like that. It's done. So I clicked on the start button and I said, hi, and I'll just call her Vicky. That's another name. Hi, Vicky. My name is Mike Koenigs. I'm talking to Ken right now. And I wanted to introduce myself because we're talking about working together. And I wanted to make sure you're taken care of and understood. So then I said, and by the way, it sounds like you're very similar to my wife, who wants to know all the facts first and really wants to protect her husband from making dumb, rash mistakes and making decisions too quickly. So the whole deal is I appealed to and communicated all of the things that obviously trigger her and get them out of the way and then explain what we're going to do together and what the promised land looks like. And the point of the story is one of the things that we've learned in the strategic coach world in our exercise is imagine crafting those little mini movies that can be forwarded so the quick start or the fact finder can deliver to the spouse in a way they hear and understand overcoming the objections. So they're never reliant on telling the story. Cause the problem with most fact finders or most quick starts is they forget how to tell the story through the voice and the eyes of the other yeah, person.
1: person. Yeah, yeah. So
0: those are some of the little things that we're figuring out. And our goal is to create a paper computer. So it's like, if you get this objection, you respond with this mini video, this tool. And are they a reader? Are they a listener? Are they a viewer? So we want to know what mediums they prefer. And we're just building this arsenal of stuff that already exists and stuff they need. Because one thing you learn in the world of strategic coaches, there's a language and a vocabulary you need to learn. I call it Dan speak. You also are overwhelmed with all these tools and resources and details and picking which one matters to you the most now. Is tricky for someone, especially if they're not a high fact finder. It's sort of like I'm a quick start. I just want you to sell me. Like now, now I I heard about this. I want in, but I don't know how to convince myself it's the right decision right now. Yeah. So we want to grab that enthusiasm and amplify it, and multiply it, so they can raise their hand and say, "I already know I want to work with you. How do we start working together?" Yeah. There you go. That's my big pitch for you, but. I've never been so excited well, about,
1: a not a I mean,
0: yeah, my yeah. enrollment conversation, yeah. but yes. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, one of the things I've observed, you know, and I get a lot from you, I get a lot from Joe, you know, and there are other people who are really terrific at kind of getting across the table and in the other person's mind. And uh, Chris Voss is really great. Chris really has a uh, great ability. And I told Chris, we were at Genius Network together about a week ago. And I said, you know, Chris, what I notice happens when you are talking with someone is that they're the buyer and you're the seller to start with. But within a matter of a minute or so, you're actually the buyer and they're the seller. But they don't realize that this has actually happened. So what you do, and I I said, I'm just telling you what I think you do. Is they're coming at you with content, so you just create a context that contains their content.
0: And that's what you say to Chris?
1: No, I told Chris that. I said, I I think how you instantly become the buyer in the situation. Yeah, and he gives an example, so you know, and it's based on experience, because he was one of the, if not the top hostage negotiator for the FBI for a couple of decades. So he gets on the phone with the so they've got a hostage situation inside a bank okay bank robbery went bad and you know they didn't get the money and now they're trapped inside the bank but they've got hostages so he said you don't get me a car in one minute Well, you were there you were there in boulders if you don't get me a car in one minute i'm going to shoot one of the hostages right and what chris says you come back to the person you say Boy, it kind of sounds like this isn't going the way that you planned, right? Is that what's happening here? It sounds like this is not turning out at all the way you thought it was going to turn. Sounds to me like you need some solution to this situation. Is that right? But what he's doing is that he's simply taking the guy's message and he's giving the context back to the hostage taker to understand because he doesn't really understand what he's got himself into and he just goes for you know, an extreme reaction. And he says, boy, he says, kind of sounds like you need somebody who's kind of like on your side that can help you think this through, doesn't it? So what Chris is doing is the guy has no options and he's just giving him option after option after option after option. You know, he said, you know, if I do this right within two minutes, I'm the best friend that legitimately I'm the best friend this man ever had in his life. Maybe the only friend this man ever had in his life because nobody has ever understood him.
0: So you just described what the experience is like, but logically, if you're going to deconstruct the flip, so how do you flip from being the seller into being the buyer?
1: He uses three words, and one of them is sounds like. Remember, sounds like or it seems to me So you don't say what the person's saying. You're simply saying to you, this is what it sounds like, this seems like, and that creates a lot of flexibility in the situation. So when I asked him to be the speaker there, I wrote him a letter and say, Chris, would it be insulting to you that if you sent your invoice in right away for the speech, which is three months in the future, and we paid you in full right up front, would you consider that insulting? And if you were to bring your team and you could have your team go through the entire workshop like our top entrepreneurs, would that be an inconvenience to you? And we got on a Zoom call, so I wrote him the letter first. And he said, Can I tell you something? I don't even really know you, and you're scaring me already. (laughs) Because I had just taken his technique and had the whole technique be about him, which I mean, if you're receiving that letter and it's the greatest deal you've ever had with any client. And not only that, they totally understand the essence of what your craft is. Exactly.
0: It's like you (laughs) sneaky son of a, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, like I never officially studied NLP, but I studied people who practice it very, very well. And when you have an NLP person walk up to you and you're like, I have no idea how you're doing what you're doing, but you're using all this stuff and it's working on me and I know what you're doing, but I love how it's assembled. So part of the magic is when you use someone else's magic and they see the elegance and the work and the mental gymnastics that went into applying that, that is a love language. It really is. Yeah. Well, with that, this is Capability Amplifier. I'm Mike Koenigs and you're with?
1: Dan Sullivan.
0: Will you head over to iTunes right now to rate the Capability Amplifier show? Every rating and review helps spread the message and create more empowered entrepreneurs like you. And if you've already done that, please share this episode with a friend who you know can benefit from Capability Amplifier. And if you have any questions or suggestions, head over to capabilityamplifier.com. There you can leave us an audio message and Dan and I listen to every single one of them. Thanks again for listening. and We'll see you soon.